0: This week on Dig Me Out, Tim and Jay review Merc Time Cruiser by Miniature.
1: There's a lot I like about this record.
2: I think it's a really good record when I listen to it without thinking about it.
1: How do I make this more accessible or how do I take this to the next level?
2: I don't mind putting it on and just letting it go. Hello and welcome to another episode of Dig Me Out. I'm your host, Tim Menichi, and joining me once again, my co-host, Mr. Jason Ziak. We have a suggestion this week. A requested review, if you will.
0: Requested Requested review.
2: Review. This one comes from someone that you and I are both familiar with. Mr. Gavin Reed, who has suggested multiple albums in the past, including such bands as UMI Mm -hmm. and... There was another... Asteroid B512, I think, was another one. Yeah. That he suggested we check out. There might have been more. But this time, uh, we're checking out a band that is... Those were Australian bands, and this one is not an Australian band. They're called Miniature, and their album is called Merc Time Cruiser. Jay, were you familiar with Miniature? I was not. Also, did you know it's not pronounced... A miniature? I did not know that. Yes, I read that on the internet. Provided me with that information. So, why don't we just do the history of the band? Let's just do it.
0: History of the band.
2: So, so I I say so too much on this podcast. I say it uh, as an intro to pretty much every section of the podcast. I need to think of, well...
1: You are no Casey Kasem, my friend. But I am no Casey that, Kasem. I think that's okay. I think people are pretty forgiving. Yeah. They just want to hear real talk.
2: We're keeping like it real. We're keeping it real. Miniature formed uh, in San Diego in the late 1980s by John Lee, who added guitarist Mark Monteith, bassist Colin Watson, and drummer Johnny Shire. Uh, There were some other members, but that's the primary lineup. In fact, actually, the primary lineup is just Lee and Watson. uh, The uh, drummer and guitarist changed quite a bit with this album. So in uh, 1990, they signed with Restless Records, and their first album, Plexiwatt, came out the following year. In 1994, their second album, Depth 5 Rate 6 was released, and in 1996, their third and final record, Merc Time Cruiser, which we are reviewing, was released. This record was produced by Mark Trombino of Drive Like Jehu. Now, Jay, uh, oh, and the band disbanded in 1987, and I did mention, Jay, that there is no pronunciation, or you do not pronounce the. Uh, the A in a miniature, and the reason for that is there was a jazz band called Miniature that already existed, so they added the silent A in order to <laughs> distinguish themselves from the jazz band. Where are they from? Um, they're from San Diego.
1: They didn't want to become Miniature. San Diego,
2: SD? which I believe Min- miniature is CA. It's it's San Diego, which is for a whale's vagina. Um, oh that's right. Yes. It, for those familiar with Anchorman. Now I wanna comp- I wanna mention something that's kind of weird. It's a little it's a little bit odd. So we just reviewed Knapsack not too long ago, an album that you suggested. It was a band that had three albums. We th- we reviewed their third album, much like we were reviewing Miniature's third album. Their third album, Knapsack, was also produced by drive like jehu drummer mike trombino so apparently when your third album is coming up the move is to get mark trombino and then you break up wow this Those albums, this ba- these
1: albums are produced by the same person
2: yeah same person wow and that album uh that band was from davis california university of california at davis and then this band is from san diego california so, which I don't know how f- close that is.
1: That uh, is a really interesting fact. That we'll Trombino
2: worked on both records? They're both of their yes. records? Yes. Okay.
1: Well, more than that, but we'll get we'll into, into
2: it. We'll get into it, yeah. So that is the history of Miniature. If you would like to suggest a band like our good buddy Gavin Reed did, head on over to digmeoutpodcast.com to our request a review page. Now, we did get some Facebook feedback I feel like we're in a loop of like we get Facebook feedback from one of three people and uh this week we got it from David Gorgos Dirty Gert who uh was just recently a suggestor and will be a suggestee of a future record that we'll be uh doing. He said about this record, "Oh, good find. That band always was paired in my mind with the similar Drunken Boat shouted lyrics semi-hardcore band." not accessible enough for any sort of crossover and not outstanding enough to build a cult so jay taking those words for miniature yeah. are they not outstanding enough and to build a cult or to cross over or is this band a miniature surprise
1: They're a tiny cute little surprise.
2: <laughs> they're like they're like a Shetland pony. <laughs>
1: or a, a miniature donkey. And I yes. mean who doesn't love a miniature donkey?
2: They're like a little Sebastian. For those of you who watch Parks and Recreation. Probably okay. don't. Anyway. What tell us first of all, why is it interesting that this is uh, connected to Knapsack? Well,
1: because as I'm you know listening to this record there's a lot I like about this record. You know, I like the, it's kind of a, I think I think the the feedback that you just read is pretty dead on, but I, I love that space that they sit in, um, which okay. I think in, you know, previous reviews, um, in terms of commercial success sometimes, or even cult success, that's a difficult place to be in. So they, they play with some of these elements that, um, you know, maybe a hardcore band would play with or a post-hardcore or even like a, you know, sort of at the drive-in where it's, you know, taking punk elements and mixing it with kind of eclectic angular guitars and even kind of dancey rhythms in terms of like syncopated, you know, guitar rhythm and maybe even like a gang of four kind of feel at times. Uh, the vocal is, I wouldn't say, sh- he's like just below a you know, kind of a shout or a kind of a punk yell. And somehow he, he stays just a register below that. And, and and within there, he can be melodic. And there's some songs where things get a little bit slower and he's actually, you know, kind of, uh, it's kind of more of a spoken delivery, but it, it's kind of soulful in a way, or at least, um, you know, it's got some character to it. Um, the thing that's weird was, the, you know, I couldn't help but think that of the um, the production and whether the production was, you know, really servicing the band and servicing the record as much as it could. And I thought of the, I thought of the knapsack record when I, you know, in terms of that being a very specific, you know, a production that I think really helped communicate that record really well. And, and what that band did well, sort of, you know, worked out, took their strengths and, and, and used production techniques in order to amplify those. And I also thought of uh, at the driving's relationship command, in that, you know, there's a band that sonically sounds a lot like the earlier mid at the driving stuff in terms of just overall kind of feel. But the production of that record took that band, you know, and, and really tried to find ways to take what they do and crank it up a notch. And in, in a way made it more accessible, kind of more commercial, but at the same point also made it sonically, I think a l- you know at least for me a little bit more interesting than the way they come across if you just you know do what this album does and that it's pretty much from a production standpoint you know it's just kind of a live feel you know it's not anything the the vocal kind of gets buried you know it's very much about the the guitars that are you know pretty loud and you know, the drums are fairly loud it's it's there's just nothing there that I think, serves the album specifically so it's just it's crazy that one, you know one of the albums that i thought about that boy i wish you know the the guy who produced the sack record would have produced this to hear what they would have done or uh you know the guy that produced uh, relationship command which is a different producer you know somebody like yeah, that that's can,
2: rich robinson i think is the guy's name who did relationship Ro- and command
1: the Ro- isn't it ross robinson
2: ross robinson Rich Robinson so, like Black
1: Crowes. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody who could kind of come into, a, I guess, what I'll call like a genre band in terms of, you know, they're very much in a sound, have a particular sound, and they figure out a way to how do I make this more accessible or how do I take this to the next level with, you know, production techniques. So the fact that it was the same guy, <laughs> it's kind of blowing my mind right now because uh, maybe I was totally off base and, you know, this is the production that was best for the band, but I don't think it's a huge detriment. I just it couldn't help but wonder, you know, we'll, you know what what else could this band could sound like it with a different production approach. Would you think? Well,
2: I'm in the same. Uh, let me put it this way: I think it's a really good record when I listen to it without thinking about it, and, mm-hmm. and it, it sort of moves along. And then when I started to like try to break it down, there was like. I had a really hard time finding like a chorus that i liked you know what i mean like whereas mm-hmm. I, i'm able to do that with like the with the knapsack record mm-hmm. um and then i would hear a song and be like wow that's really like that's like a lot like no knife where i really like yeah but then i would think about it and like again no knife to me had a lot of really cool choruses on, on their songs i'm thinking of like mission control for one is a, is a song that yep you know stuck in my brain for a long time and I guess I'm sort of at odds with this record because I really like the music. You know, it's, it is what it is. It's constant tempo changes. The guitars are going crazy stuff all over the place. Mm-hmm. It's got elements of At The Drive-In. Of course, there's elements of like Drive Like Jehu, Jawbox. I mentioned No Knife, um, Knapsack. All those bands I like. Everything this band's doing I like, but it just doesn't have the vocal hooks that I'm looking for from a band that's doing this. And that's the only real knock for this record. It's a lot of fun to listen to. It's a really small segment of people that are gonna enjoy it because it's so aggressively in your face, basically from note one on the record. It's just, boom, we're here and we're making a lot of noise. of people get turned off by too much aggressiveness or they get turned off by too much like distortion and feedback like this this is more on the 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 former end for i guess you know it if i think if it delivered the hooks it probably would have done more probably could have gotten in a knapsack cult status yeah
1: but the songs are so short that i feel like like a song like peddlers talk the hook is almost like a, like a, it's almost like a, um, I guess a Pixie style or Frank Black style hook in terms of like, it's just a, a melodic turn on the vocal and in sort of a part, and it's, I think it could be better, but it's just kind of a subtle, you know, melodic turn or something that catches your ear. there's nothing on here where you're going to necessarily like, you know, at the drive, especially with relationship command, you know, there's some choruses where it's like almost gang vocal style, you know, yelling or whatever. And it's clearly like, okay, we're going to make a chorus and they add extra instruments to, you know, a a keyboard or uh, some sort of percussion to really, you know, make a chorus out of it. Um, That doesn't happen. um, But the songs are so short that I found myself just not overanalyzing that. Like I would just go on the journey of the song and, Enjoy the parts and enjoy the surprises. And because, you know, it's only 10 songs and they're really, I mean, the longest song is four minutes. And uh, it's only four minutes just because it's probably one of the slower tempos. Yeah. I, I, but I mean, I, when I critically, like you said, when I critically start analyzing it, I'm like, well, you know, you could make that, like Peddler's Talk, you could make that chorus stronger by like doubling the vocal and overall just on the record, making the vocal louder. You know, it's kind of
2: yeah. The vocals is kind of buried in a lot of the songs. Yeah, and that's it's very much about the guitars. The, yeah, and I don't have a problem with that. But you can bring the vocal down in the mix, but if you doubled it, it would take up its own space. Whereas sometimes it's just like lost because it's not. It's just one person, you know, sort of, sort of yelling. It's, it's sort of just talking loud more than yelling yeah
1: that's what I mean yeah that's it's 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 just a little it's like a register below yelling <laughs> which in some ways makes it slightly more accessible but for people who like yelling then they don't probably wouldn't like this wouldn't be aggressive enough so it kind of gets back to the even the vocal delivery isn't an awkward you know it's just aggressive enough to not be you know commercial but <laughs> You know, just to register below punk so it's kind of a nowhere land what did um, you think of the
2: last song long live soul miner uh it's a bit I different it. than the rest of the record yeah
1: It's, it's, it's a lot less chords. I, I love that they, um, the, the, the verses are more drum, drum and bass driven. And, uh, the, there's just kind of an atmospheric, you know, single chord, maybe two chord guitar part. That's kind of on the perimeter of that, of that verse. But then when they kick into, I guess, what's the next chorus or what's the chorus or the next part, it gets this really thick, almost Queens of the stone age kind of just riding, you know, two chords kind of thing. And you almost get that like there, either there is piano in there or it does that thing like Queens of the Stone Age does where the chords are so big that you hear like a ghost high note. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. kind of a planking yeah. plank, kind of thing. <laughs> You're like, is there a piano note in there or am I just imagining that? Cause it's just the, that's, you know, the, the, the chords they're using. But I, 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 I did like the simplicity of it. Um, the bonus track at the end is kind of silly. I don't really need that, but no, uh, you know, it, it's kind of cool to hear them just calm down a little bit with the guitar stuff and, and still, you know, not lose the character of the band, you know, still sound like the same band, but just kind of tone things down from a guitar standpoint for, for a song.
2: Yeah, I agree with you. I, I did like that. And maybe if it had happened one or two more times on the record, I would have warmed to it a little more. Them not playing, not trying to jam so many chords and riffs into into one song. I think that's where in terms of trying to absorb this record, there's just so much going on that you know I'm trying to listen to the guitar parts and there's a billion things going on with the guitars. And then you're trying to, you know, catch on to the rhythm section. And the whole time I'm doing this, I'm like, Oh, there's vocals too. <laughs> and I'm trying to decipher what he's doing with the vocal where half the time I can barely make out what the lyrics even are because they don't have them in the mix or up in the mix. So I would, I guess at times I wish this band had, had calmed down a little bit more. Um, But I still, you know, like you said, this is like a 34 minute long album, which for, you know, 1996, I appreciate uh, more than they can imagine. And I'd like listening to the whole record all the way through. Like, I don't mind putting it on and just letting it go.
1: So, give give me a little context here. Is this band kind of before their time? I mean, nineteen ninety five, ninety six. The sound seems pretty.
2: Well, it's in I the same. Assume. It's in the same time as uh, as an as an right? I mean, this is this basically the same. This is two years before uh, the conversation is ending, starting right now, but. That was their third album and, and Knapsack had, you know, two albums before that, which came out in um ninety five and ninety seven. So this is right in the middle of the Knapsack era. Yeah. So clearly this style of I don't know what do you want to call it, is it post punk emo?
1: Kinda, yeah. I mean it's uh Yeah. It's somewhere in that ballpark. I mean, uh just looking at the dates for the or at the drive in, acrobatic tenement came out in ninety six. And I feel that like, this band is way more formed. You know, I think that the first couple at the Drive-In Records are pretty raw in terms of, you know, they're way, I would say they're way less even access, accessible than this is. Mm-hmm. Um, so this, this band sounds like a more refined version of that. So in some ways and, it's like ahead of its time to me.
2: I don't know. And they... um this band in in their earlier iterations shared a member with no knife and okay. to to me this this is way ahead of what no knife to me no no knife hits their stride on like fire in the city of automatons which comes out in 99 they have the the, the two albums before that drunk on the moon in 96 and then hitman dreams in 97 and this album is way ahead of those those records and this is the third Mm -hmm. record from miniature so are they ahead of their time maybe a little bit you know they beat what i think no knife and knapsack did in terms of their best records uh to the punch by a couple years right and i I wonder if if i mean if you go back in time and ask them you know what's their sound they're probably just gonna say indie rock yeah they're probably not even going to use the term emo because that was such a, uh, a unfamiliar phrase at that point. I don't think you really get emo until as a sort of a mainstream term for, for the late two thousands early early aughts.
1: I think his um, his vocal delivery for some people would you know make it not necessarily emo in terms of uh, more. I'm thinking more of the verses where it's kind of a uh, looser kind of, kind of wordy spoken kind of delivery. That's more about. It's almost like he's uh and I, and I really like it a lot. It's almost like he's riffing a little bit, you know, in terms of how he's combining words together and, and creating little melodies and phrases, and, and doing little you know phrases and stuff. That in some ways, yeah, it's busy because the guitars are also doing something at that moment. That's that's pretty you know crazy, but. I kind of, I kind of like it. <laughs> I kind of like the chaos at times, and I like the little local riffs and stuff. And I think uh, that sort of approach, you know, is fairly is not necessarily typical of an emo band. So, you know, it's it's definitely not straight up emo by any means, but it's kind of you know prototypical of some of the guitar work and drum work and stuff that you would hear in those sorts of bands.
2: I do want to mention um, if you go to allmusic.com and you go to, they have different uh, art, or not artists, but um, musical descriptions like alternative rock, indie rock, whatever. If you go to the emo page, you can listen to different artists, you can sample them, and, and then it has lists of various bands that would be considered emo, like Braid and Joan of Arc and Modest Mouse, I guess, Taking Back Sunday. But then they have the most visited pages, which include emo. Mm-hmm. As a description and the number Want to take the guess at the number one most visited page for, involving emo.
1: Oh, it'll probably be some bands on even emo.
2: It's not a band. Yeah. It's a soundtrack.
1: Oh, I don't know. What is it?
2: It's the Twilight soundtrack.
1: <laughs> <And> <laughs> oh, I,
2: come on. And I, I thought about it for a second. I'm like, yeah, that's yeah. about as emo as it gets. Yeah,
1: I guess. <laughs> In the worst possible way.
2: In the worst possible way. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that just Good struck Lord. me as funny. Um,
1: are you are you familiar with the band the, the Constantines? Yes. So there's there's moments of this, and I think those those are the moments that I really I think are distinctive and draw me in the most. That they remind me of them. There's something about the the character of his voice and some some of the deliveries, and it's it's usually in the parts that are a little bit pulled back just a touch, you know, for the verses and things where I just I kept thinking of that band. Obviously these are they're in general, you know, more aggressive than than that band is, but there's some yeah. some similarities there that I kinda like the character of. And uh, I, I think that was another one of the those instances where I couldn't help but think like, you know, could this could this vocal have been kind of turned up a notch? Could you take this style and from a production standpoint, you know, keep them on keep him in pitch a little bit better and maybe double some things and, you know, use some different miking techniques and to, to help pull it forward. And, you know, it just, it just made me think of the potential of that could be there with the vocal on this record that would just elevate the, you know, elevate it overall.
2: So speaking of the overall, what's your overall rating on this record?
1: I'm going to give it an album. It's, it's a, you know it's a perfect length this is the kind of thing that you can you know when you're you're in the mood for something like this throw it on listen to the whole record pay attention to the whole record you know and just i don't know i just found myself getting into this one sometimes we review records and honestly it's a little bit of a you know gets it to be a little bit of a chore in terms of you find yourself continually fading you know as you're listening to it you gotta
0: mm-hmm.
1: all right i gotta pay attention all right i gotta pay attention with this record i just you know, just got into it. Just found myself, you know, rocking out to it, tapping my foot. You know, um, not skipping past the songs. Um, there's enough parts on here, and the songs are short enough that you know something is going to grab you at some point, and the rest of the journey isn't that long. So you, you know, you kind of stick around and, and go through it. So uh, you know, short of the, uh, I might trim up my album so that the uh, cuts off the album, the uh, the extra track, the bonus track. But uh, other <laughs> yeah. than that. Other than that, I'm at a full album here. There's not there's not a whole lot that uh that I would skip.
2: Yeah, and I'm kind of in the same place. There's no fat other than that hidden track. Yeah. I mean all these songs are really, really tight, really, really energetic. Just you know, I, I listen to it and I go, I can never play that music. You know, there's a lot of music <laughs> I can play. I go yeah. I listen to that and I'm just like, Okay, you, that's that's out of my league in terms of being a guitar player. Mm-hmm. Um my only real reservation is the vocal. I'm just, it doesn't, this could be almost an instrumental album (laughs) in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. And it would, it would work as well for me. So I'm going to wear the album, but with a, with a side note that says the vocals aren't great. So if you're looking for vocals out of this record, you're not going to get them. But if you're looking for, you know, the post-punk angular guitar, manic rhythm changes that you've come to expect from at the drive in and, Fans of that ilk, this is going to be right up your alley.
1: It's just such a, it's a little bit of a strange review for me because, you know, I like all—I like the whole record. I like every song, but I can't help but think when I listen to it how much it could be even better. And, you know, it's its not often I think that we've reviewed a record where, where I can say that, you know. I, I honestly like the whole thing, but at the same time, I'm second guessing, the, you know, if they, if they achieve their potential on this and if it could have been right. even better. Better than it is.
2: All right, well, that is our review of Miniatures' album, Merc Time Cruiser. We'd like to thank Gavin Reed once again for suggesting an album. And if you'd like to suggest an album for us to review, visit our Request a Review page at digmeoutpodcast.com. For Jay, I am Tim. And if you like what you've heard, please consider leaving us some feedback at iTunes. We'll be back again next week with another episode of Dig Me Out. Hey, let's get